This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Uh, you know, it's funny. On Retro Late Fee, we talked about the Lion King because that was in theaters this week, 25 years ago. And I didn't even realize, I knew they were making a, a remake of the live action remake of the Lion King, but I didn't even realize it's coming out, I think, in a few days. So that's serendipitous. Yeah. So check that out if you want to. Uh, we have a lot of fun with uh, Retro Late Fee. But uh, news, I, I think I found a little more interesting way to, to do the news, so or well, to find the news, instead of looking up the the blogs that really only care about superhero films and stuff like that. I, I, it takes a little more work because I've got to kind of keep my eye open throughout the week, but I think I found a little more interesting way to do it. So I guess you'll be the judge of that, Mike, and, and our audience. Um, first of all, I guess the biggest story that we've got to talk about is The Little Mermaid is the most controversial film of this year because that's where we're at as a society. <laughs> They've cast a black actress to play the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Mike, for those of you that can't see, Mike just spit his coffee across the room. <laughs> it's uh, Holly Bailey, not to be confused with Holly Berry, which would have been a good Ursula if you think about it. She is going to be the next Little Mermaid. People are upset, I guess, for reasons. I've heard people say that <laughs> mermaids can't be black because they live so far under the ocean that there's not enough sun. I mean, that, you might as well just say dragons can't be red. You, like, <laughs> it's a fictional a, character. It's obviously a bad argument, but I would say that there is an argument that um, the character should be Greek or Roman mm-hmm. because all the character names like Neptune, isn't it Neptune or is it? Is it? And I think there's also. Uh, I don't know if it's Neptune or Triton, the dad in this one. Yeah, I mean, that's clearly it's a reference to Greek mythology or Roman mythology, yeah. which is stolen from it. Yep, I agree. And uh, I, I think it's generally dumb, like you know, this kind of stuff. It's like I mean, it's, I mean, in this obviously is a dumb example because you know they're not, no one's going to see it because of the references to mythology. But like, I think one of the there was some controversy in one of the the uh, Thor movies, maybe where I think Idris Elba played like him or him. Uh, one of the one of the the god of the shield, Heimdall, I think. Heimdall, yeah. But see, that actually makes sense because that's clearly. I mean, I mean, in theory, at least, I saw a part of the movie, and uh, for, for some reason, Thor has an Australian accent. Does he even try to have a non-Australian accent? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I mean, at least you know, mythology-wise, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, I don't care myself personally, but I mean, there at least is an argument that it it technically does not make sense. Like, you can't be upset that they're casting like Tilda Swinton, maybe mm-hmm. as like the as the character in uh, Doctor uh, Fuck. Doctor Strange. <laughs> Doctor Fuck was Doctor a nineteen seventy uh, exploitation film, but. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think the character's supposed to be, like, Chinese, and, like, they have, I mean, that's, you know, the same kind of deal. It, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you can't be outraged by that, but not be 
similarly outraged, at least as far as consistency goes. The thing, if you're a fan of Marvel movies, you don't really care about plot and consistency and all that kind of stuff. So (laughs) it's a moot point. Here's my opinion on it. I don't care. Uh, I don't, I like if there was something about the character that had to be white, like that something about the plot that forced that would make it weird for her not to be white, then I could see an argument, but her race doesn't inform the character in any way. So I don't care. It's the same way that, and I guess I'm, I try to be consistent on this. People uh, were upset that Eddie Redmayne played the, the main character in the girl with the pearl earring, I think it was called, or I don't know. The Dutch girl. Yeah. The Dutch girl. That was, that's right. Because they wanted, that was with the pearl necklace, by the way. (laughs) Another 70s exploitation film uh, because they wanted someone that was actually transgendered to play the role. And, you know, I, I was like, it's acting. You don't you don't you don't. I mean, if there was a qualified transgendered person for the role, sure, you, can, you know, audition them, consider them for the role. But you don't have to be exactly the person that you're playing because that's the craft of acting. So I heard that they had a, a qualified transgender, uh, you know, person suggested for the role, but uh, they didn't want her because she was black. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense then. <laughs> uh, You're clearly just distracting us from the main point, which is why are you doing a remake of this movie? Mm-hmm. And also, it's exactly. probably bad. So they're probably going to make this poor girl look bad. Like, oh, this movie's got a shit script, you know. <laughs> Why, what were we thinking? Let's put her in it. Then we'll be like, oh, you can't, you know, you can't criticize her. That'd be, you know, you people think you're racist. Yeah, I, I fear that too. I fear when people speak out against stuff like this, and then other people are like, well, you're just racist. Because, sure, there are some people out there that complain because they're racist. I guess, although I, you know, obviously there's a lot of there's racist people out there. That that's for sure. But when it comes to this kind of stuff online. I don't see a lot of people just I get well I guess there are some that are just openly expressing racist opinions but the majority of people seem to just say you know say stuff like well she iconically has red hair and and stuff like this and that's you know that I want to see you know that Ariel it's people clinging to nostalgia and which makes sense for anyone that be interested in this film in any way right Another controversy, uh, Sebastian will not be played by a lobster. Right. <laughs> yeah, that crab is uh, Jamaican in the movie, so, uh, you know. Can yeah, it... that makes sense. Then. I mean, if he has that accent, then they're probably by Jamaica. Yeah, so if they're in a tropical region, then she would be black. Wait till you find out about Jesus. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, the next story, I guess... Wait till you find out about Jesus, Mark. <laughs> right. Uh, so I guess the next story um, sort of dovetails with that. Uh, and th- actually, I, I'll give credit where credit is due. I discovered this because of your wife, actually. Um, a, uh, a rap star or rap performer, artist, whatever they go by, uh, um, pulled out of Afro Future Fest uh, when she found out that they were charging different prices for people of color and white people. Uh, People of color were being charged $10 for the early bird special to get tickets, and white people were being charged $20. 
And according to the organizer, and I kind of get what he's saying here. I'll I'll be fair. I kind of get what he's saying here. But basically, uh, he said that when when they have festivals like this in in all caps black detroit that people from the suburbs who are tend to be white and have more access to money they they come and they kind of fill this venue and it they buy up all the tickets and it shuts out uh black people from experiencing you know stuff of of their culture um, I don't know if I totally buy that because I don't know, Mike, if you've ever been to a rap concert in Detroit. I have. Uh, and there's there's not a lot of white people at uh, rap uh, concerts or festivals in Detroit. No. Um, I mean, you have to think of it at the same time. Uh, I mean, the city of Detroit, there's a lot of like, you know, a lot of renovations going on, this sort of thing. A lot of like, you know, richer, younger white people have moved into Detroit. Yeah, exactly. So it's really hard to say. I mean... I don't know about you. I'm not driving you know, five feet to go to Afro Fest. I don't even know what the fuck that is. It sounds dumb. Right. But the thing, the thing that rankles me about it is that, and this is a problem, uh, just just nationwide, especially on the internet, with people that you know they might they might have good intentions. Uh, they might want to support good causes. But this is a problem that people have. There are two types of activism that you can do. One is inclusive and one is exclusive. Uh, Like Martin Luther King was an inclusive activist that basically said he wanted all people treated equally. Um, You know, he, uh, he readily uh, welcomed support from, you know, white people in power, you know, white uh, um, organizers and stuff like that to, to march with him and everything. And then there's exclusive ones like Malcolm X was a little more uh, exclusive uh, than Martin Luther King Jr. Both can be valuable in certain ways, but you know more progress seems to occur for from inclusive type of of protests, bringing yeah. everyone together. You know. Yeah, and the real lesson here is, regardless of whether you're inclusive or exclusive, if you're really good at it, you're going to get shot. Yeah, exactly. Just like in Good Omens, when uh, when they were crucifying Jesus, and he said, uh, "What did he do to make uh, people so mad?" Uh, he told everyone to be nice to each other. Oh yeah, right. do it. <laughs> that's kind yeah. of yeah. That that seems to happen for some reason. But- yeah, unfortunately, I think this is the case. And I saw um, I watched the, one of the local stations, Fox Two. Mm-hmm. They were interviewing the organize- organizers of the fest and. Basically, they just seem kind of like well-intentioned, but just generally dumb people who just read something on the internet and took it as being the uh, you know the truth of the world, and they're just like, oh well, someone on the on the internet said you should charge more. Let's do that in real life and assume no repercussions. Yeah, exactly. Um, or were they crafty and they knew it would get free press? That's that's possible too. It's also possible that they that they thought, well, you know, if white people come, you know, uh, they've got more money. We charge them more different supplies and demand um just do that at the gate though you know yeah exactly and you know like i said i just the everything that i read about the article and everything i read from uh and i can't remember the gentleman's name off the top of my head but the organizer uh seems like i said very kind of uh exclusive and i just don't think that's the way to do things i mean obviously we're different black and white people 
are, are different. They they have different cultures. They have a different traditions. Yeah, I, I would disagree. I would say we're only different by culture, which I know is what you mean as well. Right. But yeah. I really just this 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 kind of stuff that's supposed to be promoting. I mean, obviously in this case, it's not necessarily meant to promote like relations between races, but all this stuff is just counterproductive in my opinion. Like even the whole mm -hmm. like reparations issue, in my opinion, it's just like dragging people back into history when really we should try and move forward i mean i know i'm not i'm not saying uh get over slavery but i mean at the same time at a certain point you should have moved to a point where you're all beyond it at least culturally where it's not even something you have to think of every moment of your life yeah yeah i i agree i think that you know we should be mindful of history i think there's still work to be done as far as race relations go but yeah i think and the whole reparations thing you know it's never going to happen for for one uh so if people are are waiting for that I'm sorry, the government is just never going to do that. And, you know, it was an idea that was floated. It was never passed. It was in a speech. That's what it was. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't an, a bill introduced to Congress or anything like that. I think it was in, wasn't it in Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation? Uh, well, it was in a speech. To, it was in a speech to introduce the Emancipation Proclamation, yes. Gotcha. It's but not, I mean, not I mean that, that's as far as I could tell, and I've looked into it just a little bit, there was never, like, any serious consideration to it being an actual thing. Correct. Although, I mean, obviously it should have been at the end of the war. I mean, how would you do that? I don't know. I mean, can you, I mean, because the, the South was and continues to be racist, you know, well after the uh, Civil War. So, I mean, they would find a way to just trick them or, you know, legally push them out of any property they received anyways. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is the, the whole idea, the idea of it wasn't uh, as a I'm sorry to black people for the Civil War, meaning that any black people today should should get it. It was, we're going to have all these people that are now going to be free, that have no education, no land, no, no way to make a living. This is going to be a giant humanitarian crisis, so how do we abate that? And that was one of the things they thought of. Well, you know, you don't need to have a formal education to be a farmer, so give them all some land. Give them all, you know, uh, you know, an animal to help them work that, that land and, you know, let them make a living on their own. Uh, like you said, it was never a formal thing that was put into place. It was, you know, yeah, as, as the South, you know, obviously part of the reason they needed slavery, it was a vast space with not enough people to, you know, do all the farming without having to import slaves. Mm -hmm, exactly. So, so there's plenty enough land for that. But yeah, I agree. Well, speaking of black people, uh, James Earl Jones was trending on Twitter and everyone freaked the hell out. I don't know if you saw some of these posts on was, Twitter. Was it for the Lion King? Yeah, it was because there was something like he was he was supposed to be in a picture with Beyonce or something like that. And uh, she didn't end up taking the picture with him or, or, or something. But everyone that saw James Earl Jones trending on Twitter immediately thought that he was dead. So everyone was freaking out about it. I thought it was. Uh, I it was bet that humorous. was deliberate as well. Oh, absolutely, and it's more publicity for for the the Lion King, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, now we will move on to uh, educating Mike. This week, uh, <laughs> I'll just ask you real quick: Have you ever seen a film called Bad Boy Bubby? No. It's a uh, 1993 film directed by Rolf DeHare. It's an uh, Australian film 
uh, Rolf de Heer is a a Dutch Australian director, Dutch born and raised in Australia. Gross. <laughs> Yeah, well, the movie is... Now, I'll read the plot summary. The plot summary is real short, but I'll read the plot summary in a minute. But I have seen this film, so I'm just going to tell you what happens in the first around 10 minutes of the movie. I, I just need some quick clarification, though. Uh-huh. Are the Dutch north enough to be considered part of Scandinavia? Oh, uh, I don't... Are they the tip of Europe or the bottom tip of Scandinavia? Because I need to know <laughs> how I feel about these people. I believe they're the northern tip of Europe. I don't think they're technically part of Scandinavia. So the first 10 minutes of this film is basically the movie is the movie cons- not considers uh, concerns itself with a 35 year old man named Bubby who has never set foot out of his mother's apartment and she keeps him in there telling him that the air is poisonous. He's like a man-child that can only mimic what what is said to him and, and what people do. That's the only way that he has to communicate. So the first 10 minutes of this film, he, you know, his mother cooks him breakfast. His mother is, his mother's like 50-something, uh, you know, and she's Rubenesque, I guess, to put it, to put it nicely. And she, um... She cooks him breakfast. He's sitting at a table. She says she's got to go out, and he can't leave the table. So she goes out of the apartment, takes a gas. There's a gas mask hanging by the wall because she's keeping up this fiction that the air is poison outside so that he can't leave. And she puts the gas mask on, and she walks out the door. It goes from day to night. He's just sitting there in the chair, and... He, you know, he pisses himself, he shits himself on this chair because he has nowhere to go. So she comes back and beats the hell out of him for uh, for soiling himself in the chair. Then proceeds to undress him. We see full frontal nudity from him. And she washes him off, washes his ass, washes his, his cock and everything. Um, and then she takes off her dress... So she's naked. She washes herself with a with a washcloth and everything. Uh, <laughs> then uh, Bubby. Well, then then it's the nighttime. They go into uh, the bedroom. They share a bed, and she has sex with him uh, on this bed. Tells him what a good boy he is. The next morning, he opens uh, this cage. It's like a pit with a grate over the top where he has a cat, and he pokes the cat with a stick. Gets this cat all pissed off at him, hissing at him. He hisses at the cat. Then he goes and crawls on all fours, finds some cockroaches around the apartment, rips their legs off, feeds it to the cat, then takes the cat out, ties it to a chair. This cat is freaking out. I mean, this, you know, obviously, I I guess Australia doesn't have quite the same same laws as far as uh, animal cruelty in movies go because, I mean, this cat is freaking the hell out. Um, and, uh, that's about it. That's around the, that's around the first 10 minutes of the, uh, of the movie. Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the plot summary says, uh, in addition to beating and sexually abusing him, his mother, uh, confines him to the apartment, telling him the the outsider is poisonous and telling him he will die if he tries to leave. Bubby eventually escapes, joins up with a rock band, and embarks on a confused but nihilistic journey of self-discovery 
and shocking mayhem. One other note about this cat before we get into the parents' guide for for this movie. The cat was they found in an animal shelter that was going to be euthanized. So when you know they they took the cat out. They they filmed all the scenes with the cat because the cat dies in the movie. They filmed all the uh, scenes of the cat being alive. Then they returned it to the shelter, let it be euthanized, and then brought the body back to uh, to finish the scenes of it where it's dead. So that that's some of the stuff that goes on in this movie. Uh, what do you think so far, Mike? You think that sounds uh, like a winner? Not especially. Oh, it's. T- I mean, it is. It's interesting only in the fact that, and I think this is what the movie is trying to say, Bubby can only, you know, like I said, mimic what what other people do. So when he finally does get out, he he mimics society around him. So I think it's supposed to be sort of a reflection on our society. But yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Um, so here's the parents' guide on bad boy Bubby. Um Sex and nudity, there's a lot. Uh, Bubby has sex with his mother two or three times. Her breasts are shown. No nudity on him is shown. Not in those scenes, anyway. Bubby's mother walks into a room naked before putting on a nightie. Her buttocks are shown. Uh, Bubby pulls his mother's shirt open and, to, and reveals her breasts. Bubby's father pulls open her, his mother's, the mother's shirt and reveals her breasts. Bubby comes into a cell, because he gets arrested at some point, to find his cellmate naked. He is then pinned down by him. (laughs) No nudity is shown, and it is implied Bubby is raped. Uh, Bubby has sex with a Salvation Army worker. His buttocks are seen. Her breasts and buttocks are shown. Her vagina is briefly exposed. Bubby is seen naked being bathed by his mother. His penis and testicles are seen. Bubby is seen being showered by Angel at a nursing home. His penis and testicles are seen. Bubby convinces Angel to flash him. Her breasts are seen. Bubby wipes urine from his crotch. His buttocks are seen. His full his full penis and testicles are seen in that scene, too. Bubby walks into a bedroom and pulls the sheets away to find two stark naked groupies who try to convince him to have sex with them, which he refuses. Their breasts, buttocks, and vaginas are seen. Bobby and Angel are seen having sex. Bubby's buttocks are seen. Angel's breasts are seen. Angel is seen giving birth in the nude. Her breasts and vagina are seen. Whew. Okay. So, violence and gore, only one. A man suffocates a cat and his parents with cling wrap. I don't know why they have to... Like, it's Bubby. I mean, were they trying to keep spoilers? The same man is punched in the stomach and raped at later stages in the film. Uh, profanity, several uses of fuck, shit, and cunt. No alcohol, drugs, or smoking, uh, although there is some in the movie. I don't know why it's not here. Uh, and then this is my favorite entry. Frightening and intense scenes. The entire film has a surreal and disturbing feel about it, which gets under your skin in regards to its themes and many forms of abuse, mental illness, etc. It's also funny at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Wait, what's a? Do they give the username for that? Um. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't say. I better be clown rape. <laughs> well, here's a a re- one star review from Johnny Campo. Bad, 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 bad. Wrong could damage your brain, and I think it damaged his brain. I wish you could see this review. 
Uh, this is by far one of the worst movies of all time, in caps. I hope most of, in caps, then you, just the letter U, see this before the number four, you, again, just you, watch it and just and just don't. It will lower your IQ and make you want to kill cats. Any, there's no punctuation in this in this uh, review at all, by the way. Why would there be? Anyways, the only possible way to make an upside to this movie would be if Chuck dot dot Norris with with two S's round house kicked someone in the head yesterday. Anyways, that's all for the number four. Now, please do not watch this movie. All caps. It's the number four, and then. Each one of these first letters is capitalized for some reason. Your own good. This movie would be mainly enjoyed by cat killers and and then lowercase rapists. Because it's a really sad, 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 disgusting movie. Incest and big breasts. It's very dirty. The cats. Oh my God, the cats. Only Chuck dot dot Norris could have taken Bubby out and saved the cats. Two cats, by the way. Two poor dead cats. That review, I think, hurt my brain. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrible. Um, but yeah, this movie is really weird. Sounds like a broke-ass version of Gubbo. <laughs> well, it, it is it is interesting in certain... There, I mean, there's definitely a point to the movie. Um, but it's really disturbing. But that is Educating Mike, so uh, Bad Boy Bubby, everyone. Check it out if uh, you're interested in any of that. Uh, next, we will go to Keeping Current with Mike. For those of you in the know, you know that this is the section of the show where we plumb the depths of the, I don't know, the glitterati. What do they call it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> We we find some some gossip site and then we Google stuff because we have no idea what the fuck you people are into anymore. Uh, Mike, where are we going today? We may have gone here before, but I'm uh, I've basically run out of gossip sites I've been able to search. Huh. So this is the Mirror.co.uk. It's a gossip magazine from. Oh, I should do the New York Post actually. That'd be a good one. Oh yeah, New York Post. Uh, wait just a minute while we uh, do that. Here's some hold music. The New York Post. I don't know if the song is in the commons. We might get sued by who? And we're back. Okay. <laughs> All right. New York Post. This is actually weird because it's like an actual news story. Oh, okay. A billion, billionaire kept Jeffrey Epstein as charity director after plea deal. Ooh. Yeah, I've heard about Jeffrey Epstein before. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, this dude apparently trafficked young women for sex with his um, billionaire friends. Uh, I've heard many it, what, What's fucked up about the story is I've been hearing about the story for at least five years and only now is something being done. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. He was convicted in 2008, I think, or, or something like that. But he just... So it wasn't like house arrest or something crazy, like probation? Yeah, he got house arrest and probation. And I don't think he... Well, yeah, I guess he had to register as a sex offender, I guess. Um, 
but yeah, it was not much. And uh, now, obviously, they want to uh, they want to go after uh, more. But he had like a he had like an island, and uh, he nicknamed his the planes that that flew out of there the Lolita Express, which is yeah, that's I mean that's a, that's a clue. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing is really messed up. Um, but yeah, so I, I am familiar with that story. Oh, apparently Kevin's yeah. Kev, apparently Kevin Spacey. <laughs> apparently Kevin Spacey uh, frequented it. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. And the second story is weird. It's like a, it's a like a footage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's pulse pounding footage shows F- FBI agent moments after he's ambushed and shot by gangbang. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. My wife showed me this video last week where this like. It was really weird, this guy, like, in a semi-truck. Mm-hmm. He was getting a ticket, and then, like, when the police officer, I think it was, like, a state trooper, told him that he'd have to appear in uh, court to contest it, the guy just suddenly grabbed a knife and just started stabbing him. Jesus Christ! So, it was so fast, because the way the guy was even acting, you would never think he was about to attack him over, like, a, you know, a traffic ticket. Right. Oh, it's terrible. Oh. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably some uh, terrifying footage. Yeah. We're not going to be watching it, but just, you know, know that it exists to everyone. Yeah, I might watch it later. Uh, next story is Nets GM. I found out Kevin Durant signed when you did. That's kind of neat. It's it's like they mix sports and, like, uh, you know, actual news. So I always thought it was like a tabloid say. I don't know if, I mean, is this technically like a gossip? It doesn't seem like it to me. I think there are sections of it that are gossipy. Um... I'm not sure. I've never read the Washington Post. New York Post. Or New York Post, yeah. I know it's owned by Rupert Murdoch. Oh, good for him. Yeah, he's he's fighting a good fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is kind of interesting um, that if it is in fact true that the, the Nets GM uh, got kept, found out that they got Kevin Durant exactly when like the public did. I don't, I don't know. know if you follow, I don't know if you follow basketball like a lot. A little like bit, this, yeah. Adrian, Adrian Wojnarowski guy like seems to like be told directly as the event's happening. That's how quickly he gets his stories out. Mm-hmm. It's like insane. See, it's, I mean, eh, well, I don't think it's a. I mean, it's it's they have two good players now. They they need a lot more good players. They're not going to be a great team. Oh yeah, I agree. But yeah, I guess so. I guess uh, that implies that Kevin Durant knew he was going to sign. Told Adrian Wojnarowski. <laughs> Everyone found out about it, and then like he called the the GM and and said, uh, "Hey, I'm going to sign with you guys." I wouldn't be shocked because like uh, I think uh, one time Kevin Durant like texted that Stephen A. Smith guy in the middle of like a live TV thing when he said something about him. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Nets still have a long way to go, but uh, you know, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Uh, this next story is uh, Trump barred Jeffrey Epstein from Mar a Lago over sex assault. Court. Down. So, again, this is a Rupert Murdoch publication, so that's probably completely made up. <laughs> Possible. Donald Trump has lied a lot, so it's uh, hard to hard to say what's what's true and what's not. The only quotes that about Jeffrey Epstein that you know I've ever seen from Donald Trump other than what's going on right now were from like 20 years ago. Uh, you know, I'm not saying Trump's a good guy or anything like that. Don't jump down my throat or anything, 
But he says that like 15 years ago, he had a falling out with him. I guess that's entirely possible. I, I'm sure it has nothing to do with uh, with the Lowly to Express, whatever their falling out was. Maybe he just didn't like the competition. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you can't believe anything that Donald Trump says. So that's that's in difficult. The, uh, in the next story, this one I read earlier today, and I thought it was kind of funny. Um, but it's Breaking Bad fans livid over Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul's new collab. Do you know about this? No, what are they doing? They've been like teasing like a video. Like recently, they both like put like the same picture, like on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, at the same time with the same caption. Uh-huh. And they did that a couple times. And like I think like yesterday, they put a, a caption like "You'll know, you all know in twenty four hours." So people have been talking about like a Breaking Bad movie, you know, for like a while. And some people think that um, Brian Cranston might be like a like a ghostly like you know advisor to Aaron Paul's character, mm-hmm. Jesse. Okay. But at least, I mean, that may be happening as well, but at least what this whole thing was about was they're, they're making a, a mezcal together, which is like, you know, an alcoholic drink. <laughs> and I was just laughing so hard in the comments. <laughs> that is hilarious. You know that they absolutely <laughs> knew what they were doing, too. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, my God, that is hilarious. I love it. Uh, I'm gonna buy some of that mezcal. I think it's called Dos Hombres. Nice. I'm sure they'll announce something real soon because you know I'm sure they wouldn't. They know that would piss people. Well, I talked to um, friend of the show uh, Larry Hankin, who was on some episodes of Breaking Bad, and uh, he said to me that uh, he has a project coming up that he can't talk about because. Um, you know, he signed a non-disclosure form. So, you know, uh, anyone that's listening that's in the industry, which I'm sure is no one, he didn't tell us what the project was. All he said was he was working on a project that he couldn't reveal. Um, so my guess is it's the Breaking Bad movie. That I mean, that's my guess. I, I don't you know. I mean, that would perfectly make sense for his character to be on there. I really liked his character on there. He was really good. Yeah, I, I agree. And he was supposed to be on another, as he, when, when we did the interview with him, uh, you know, he said he was supposed to be on another episode, but um, scheduling conflicts or something or, or, or that, that episode got cut or something like that, but uh, didn't end up working out. So I know they like working with him. So, I mean, that's my guess is that that's what he was talking about. That'd be fun. Oh yeah, I'd love to see a Breaking Bad movie. It'd be, uh, you know, as long as as long as um, Vince Gilligan's involved in it, and you know, that, then I'd be confident that they would do it justice and do it right. Yeah, I don't really need to see this. Oh, you don't want to see it? I'm happy with how it is. It's just kind of makes me nervous. It'll you know not be as good as the series. Yeah, I mean, it did end great. I know a lot of people want to know what what happens with. Yeah, I don't really Jesse. need closure on any of that. I feel it's perfectly left how it is. You know, it's like they start off fresh. Yeah, well, to me, Jesse's closure was, you know, being free. That, like, you know, when he got involved with Walter White, at, at, at some point he basically just became a prisoner of this whole thing. And, you know, then a literal prisoner. And that freedom and, and everything driving away and, and, and stuff that, you know, I that to me is closure enough for his character. But, you know, if Vince Gilligan has what he thinks is an idea that's worth pursuing, um, you know, I'll definitely watch it uh, and hope for the best. 
was reading something crazy. Like, um, I think it was uh, one of the guys who used to, uh, it wasn't uh, Michael Eisner, but another guy who used to be the head of Disney mm-hmm. has like a streaming service now. Okay. And he offered Vince Gilligan $25 million to produce one more episode of Breaking Bad. Holy shit. But he was going to sell it like in serial format. He was going to sell it like each episode for like a dollar and like, you know, release an episode every day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that actually would have been, that's actually not a, not a, it'd be an interesting just to see how that works, you know, because if they just took like an hour's episode and cut it into like, you know, 25 minute chunks, you know. Huh. Interesting. But, but yeah, they, they were good. They didn't want to. So, I mean, I would think he would be in it more for the need to tell the story than the money, just because of that alone. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense to me. Um, that... And I don't think anybody on the show really is starving. You know, at least who survived is, you know, starving for cash. No, no. And yeah, I mean, Baron Paul and Brian Cranston have both worked, uh, you know, pretty steadily since the um, since the show went off the air. Uh, I know Vince Gilligan's got, you know, some irons in the fire. Obviously, he's doing uh, Better Call Saul. You know, um, Bob Odenkirk, obviously, is on that show. A lot of the people that died, um, like Gus and everything, are are on that show, too. Um, so, yeah, there. I, I agree. I don't really think, um, you know, maybe the girl that played uh, whatever uh, uh, Lydia uh, Quayle, maybe, maybe she's looking for work. I don't know. She's dead too. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. She is dead. Hmm. Yeah, there's not many people that, that are left alive. And a lot of the other ones like haven't really been working super steadily, so they can probably get them back. Mm-hmm. Because using our big industry terms. Yeah, exactly. This is us as Hollywood insiders, which you know we are. Hey, anyone that out there that has any connections or knows any like rumors about Hollywood stuff. You can go ahead and email massivelatefee at gmail.com and we will keep your confidentiality but break uh, stories on the show. Yeah. And North Korea, if you uh, if you can uh, hack into uh, to, uh, anyone's uh, emails that uh, are associated with Hollywood and, and leak that stuff to us. That... Well, we know they can't get into Quentin Tarantino's uh, movies. That's true. Yeah, it's impossible for them to hack into Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino has even gone on record as saying that North Korea is weak. So, I mean, I don't know. Oh, you said a lot nicer than he did, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to use uh, as much of the N-word as he did, but... Uh... Yeah, and a little less uh, colorful, shall we say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's just say it's a euphemism for cowardly. Um... Anyway. <laughs> uh, we have any more with the uh, the New York Post? Uh, no, I'm I'm very done with this. Okay, uh, so we'll move on to our game, the uh, IMDb game. Uh, if you have any, the Parents Guide game. Yeah, there you go, Parents Guide game. I like that Parents Guide game. If you have a better title, tweet at us, and uh, we'll consider it and probably reject it. Um, so, Mike, I've got two movies ready to go. Uh, I'll I'll start this time. Um, okay, let's see. Okay, here's the first one. Uh, This is under sex and nudity. Kids look at a magazine that shows a girl's breasts. They talk about how nice their nipples look. Super bad. Yep, that's right. Ah, you fuck, I figured it out already. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that because I mentioned that last last time. (laughs) It's like the first thing you guess every week, so I I decided to do it. 
That's why I knew you did it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you got it. So what's my first clue? <laughs> well, I guess it's be a little more obvious now. <laughs> Dick. Oh, that's find a really obvious one for you. Okay. Characters frequently smoke cigarettes. Two of them are drug dealers who offer one character pot in one instance. He refuses. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, this could be one of a few different movies. Um, Dogma? Uh, no. Okay. Mallrats? <laughs> no. Uh, Clerks? <laughs> no. Um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Um, hmm. Is it a Kevin Smith movie? Yes. Oh, Chasing Amy. Good guess. <laughs> is that it? Yes, it is. All right. <laughs> okay, I'll go on to uh, the, the more serious one. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Mild slapstick violence, though it is mostly played for laughs. I don't know when mild slapstick violence is played to be serious, but in this movie, it's mostly played for laughs. What's love got to do with it? No. (laughs) Good guess, though. (laughs) I've never seen that, but I'm guessing that I'm playing the hitting for laughs. (laughs) That is sort of slapstick. You wise guy, Tina. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> a woman is hit in the head with a beer bottle. Ooh. Ooh, that seems so familiar. A scene of a woman getting hit. Oh wait, my 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 living room last night. No. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, let me think. Ah, that's... Oh, man. I can picture it. And it's, like, supposed to be comedic, I think. Um, Jeez. What? No, I mean, in the... In the movie, I think... The the scene that I'm picturing, it's supposed to be comedic. Uh, American Pie? No. Okay, I'll do... I'll do both these in drugs and alcohol. Because they're both pretty generic. That's funny because I was going to do the same for profanity. A man is seen smoking a cigarette in two scenes. And a few scenes take place in a bar. 48 hours. Nope. I'm going to read all the profanity because it's kind of hilarious. Okay. Shit is used once. Ass, damn, and hell are used a few times. Horror is used once in a background song. And this is the best one. JC is used right at the beginning and end. Okay. JC. They can't spell it Jesus Christ. JC. Oh, JC. Um, hmm. I know it's not as hilarious to you as a woman getting hit in the head with a beer bottle. <laughs> Dude, where's my car? No, but that's a good idea. Typical PG-13 language with a few S-bombs. <laughs> As well as some frequent milder profanities. Milder than the S-bomb? Damn, maybe. Sexual terms are used throughout the movie. 
Did you, in fact, pick American Pie and try and throw me off? No. No, good guess, but no. That's fair. <laughs> there are some, like, just incredibly obvious ones in here, too. This is the the worst spoiler ever, so I'm going to read this and another one. This one is, two people are seen drunk for a few seconds. <laughs> How do you even know they're drunk? For a few seconds. Yes. Oh, my All right. God. All right. The aftermath of a car accident is shown. The car is on fire, and a man pulls an injured woman out of the... Hmm. Is that funny, too, Mark? Uh, this will be hilarious if this is not a comedy in any way. <laughs> um, pulling someone out of a burning car. Huh. I'll give you a clue. It's not a comedy, but now I kind of want to like put a laugh track on it when all this stuff happens. <laughs> uh, crash? No. Okay. Good guess, though. <sighs> Man. I think this is going to give it to you, but... <sighs> Uh, two characters find out they're half-brothers. And they find out that one of the characters had sex with a woman without knowing it was his half-sister. The Prestige? No. Huh. A man finds two children with their hands bound above their heads. It is implied that they have been held hostage. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, definitely not a comedy. Okay, so, hmm, two two children with their hands bound above their heads. Hmm, my living room last night. No, <laughs> Temple of Doom. No. Okay. We we really need sound effects for the segment. No kidding. Um. All right. Da-da-dun. In a hallucination. A man sees a scantily clad woman asking if he wants some crazy rough sex. Is it Ghostbusters? No. I'm running out of I'm running out of ones that aren't going to totally give it away. A man breaks into a house and attacks the owner. <coughs> the owner's dead body is later seen with a bloody head wound. Hmm. Oh, um... It's not Stripes, in case you're wondering. Unbreakable? Yes. All right. Okay, so I'll give you uh, I'll give you one that I think should give it to you. Now, see, now now I've got to... Now i got to figure out which one of the ones I should do. There are a couple hallucinations throughout the movie, all caused by brownies used in a medical experiment. Oh, dirty work. Yep. <laughs> I like this one, too. This one made me laugh for, for some reason. A running joke is that a character is constantly being beaten up by bookies. It is revealed at the ending that he died. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but it does. <laughs> it's funny. Like, well, he's dead. <laughs> Bye. Like, like the first one on here under sex and nudity is a character is taken by two men into a holding tank. He's later seen pulling up his pants, hinting that they raped him. Instead of feeling violated, he berates them and tells them how immature they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was difficult to find ones that I didn't think you'd get. But um, yeah, 
a very the successful. Worst, the version. worst part, the worst part of it all, was a lack of respect. Exactly. And the hypocrisy. <laughs> yep. Uh, now, do you have one for the the listeners? Did anybody guess the one that you already uh, came up with? Um, actually, I forgot to check today. They might have. Oh, okay. I made a video today, uh, you know, uh, with the clues on it and everything, and put it up on um, on the Twitter, and I forgot to check. It was a busy day. That's fair. Huh. Okay, I'm going to put it up there. Uh, just give me a second to look it up. Sure. Do, 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 Creative Commons. Please tell me this song is in the public domain. Get scared, get thrilled, uncover the best in horror and thrillers. In IMDb's scary good guide. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so for the listeners, four clues for you. Uh, Figure it out and you win a prize. Alright, this is one of my favorite movies. There's a clue right there. One of the characters encounters a poster of a topless woman twice on one of the building floors under construction. Okay. I know it already. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> One bad guy is shot in the head by a cop and blood is shown. Mm-hmm. One character is shot and falls out of the building to his death, though he isn't shown hitting the ground. 56 uses of fuck, two uses of dickhead. All right. So that those are your clues. Um... And, uh, you know, if you figure it out, tweet at, uh, at, uh, late fee Mike or massive late fee on Twitter with the answer and, uh, you win a prize. So now, oh, promo time. That's right. I should check my script. Um, I looked up the promo again. I, I've, I've been doing my due diligence. Uh, today we are featuring a very interesting podcast from, uh, our friend Nicholas Howe. Uh, Nicholas was on the show with us actually talking about Saturday Night Live when we did that Saturday Night Live episode, you know, 15 years ago. Um, his show is called How Will I Die? And uh, here's a little sample of How Will I Die. Did you know that a man once jumped into a bulletproof window so much that he busted it out of the frame and fell to his death? I do. Hey, I'm Nicholas Howe, and I made an improvised comedy storytelling podcast about this death and many others. Using a multiverse of me's as the catalyst, I explore the various ways people have died. I also have special guests on and freak them out about how dangerous the world is. Did you know lakes can explode? You do now. Listen to the How Will I Die podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at H-W-I-D-I-E-P-O-D. So that was How Will I Die podcast with Nicholas Howe uh, going through um, Dungeons and Dragons type stuff uh, right now. Very, very cool uh, podcast, interesting kind of true crime improvisational comedy mix. Uh, definitely check it out. So, Mike, we are concluding Good Omens this week. Um, what what were your your initial? Well, let's do let's do our initial thoughts on the episode. We'll kind of go through the episode and then we'll talk about the the series as a whole. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds great. All right, so what were your what were your thoughts about this episode? I mean, it was so happy with the way it ends. Like, mm-hmm. I think the end, the part with like Adam and his friends, and they're like, "Oh, I'm using my heart to you know stop evil." It's I thought it was kind of lame, right? 
And there's fun stuff like the devil, you know, appearing. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the trial was a fun part. Yeah, that's the the trial. Um, you know, was was probably my favorite part of the episode. Um, I guess you know it's it's a little weird. So we'll go through. You know, the the episode begins uh, with the trial, basically. Um, it kind of cuts back and forth. It you know it starts in the future, kind of the aftermath of everything, and that cuts back to uh, to the you know where we left off. But yeah, another fun part is uh, around this time is when Pulsifer like he, he keeps he's like oh the computer engineer They're like oh we'll go ahead and fix the uh, system. He's like oh it's, it, that's simple you know, and he just like destroys the entire like world's electrical grid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because he is horrible with computers, as was established. So that was a good setup and payoff. Um, yeah, yeah, I never saw that coming. Like at the end, it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, but uh, so you know, there uh, we find out that Crowley and Aziraphale are being put on trial uh, for their role in stopping the apocalypse, basically. And uh, you know, the Crowley's in hell and Aziraphale's in heaven. Um, and then we kind of flash back to to the uh, to the present, if you want to call it that. With uh, Adam basically saying that he doesn't want uh, to cause Armageddon, he's not gonna, uh, you know, let it happen. And yeah, that part was very much like that part was kind of like Goonies or like the never-ending story to me <laughs> a little bit. It got a little schmaltzy when you know the girls talking about uh, you know I I uh, you know th- this is like toxic masculinity stuff and, and everything. And Adam has her grab the sword. And, uh, you know, like she attacks and like kills war and like says she loves peace. So one of them says, I love the environment. The other one says, I love food. Um, and they kill, uh, all the other, the other, um, horsemen, obviously death's not going to go. I mean, I said that right away. I'm like, well, they can't kill death. Cause if they, I mean, like, you know, in the mythology of this universe, if they kill death then no one can die. So, you know, death's not going to be killed and death does just kind of, um, you know, go into the void or whatever, wherever he goes, um, to kind of stalk people. And, you know, it's a lot of work for one guy. You got to think, you know, everyone dying in, in, in a day, how many people die? That's a lot of work for this dude. Um, but anyway, so that, that happens. And then, uh, the, um, uh, Beelzebub and like all the the demons come and and um, John Ham who who is who is awesome in this uh, in this show in the in the little bits of uh, of you know cameos that that they give him but uh, he comes down they're like you know hey what's going on <laughs> they're both trying to talk to the kid you got to start the Armageddon now come on come on dude and um, uh, he's like no I don't want to I mean basically it's like 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 you said it was like the power of love is what caused him to not be evil, I guess. Like, the power of his of his friendship with his friends. It just, a lot of it, it didn't, that part didn't make a ton of sense to me. Because it's like, okay, well then, how is this ever going to work? Because, you know, any kid, even that ambassador's kid, I mean, did, did he grow up to, like, have no friends and just be, like, some weird loner that would have been like, sure, I'll kill everyone? Uh, I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> but, I think they kind of gave up on him when they <laughs> they realized, you know, oh, this, we're not sure if it's the right kid, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And all the damage that was done was unbalanced is what they're kind of showing. Yeah, so it was just, I don't know, the whole thing was kind of weird. I would have liked a little bit more of an explanation for that, I guess. Um, but uh, they say, oh yeah, we're going to tell your dad. And, you know, they're your real dad, which is the devil. And, uh, you know, Crowley and Aziraphale basically tell him, you know, for this little time, reality is whatever you want it to be because we've seen in, in other episodes that, you know, anything he's dreaming or whatever becomes real. Um, so he tells the devil, you know, you're not my dad and you never were, you know, like my dad. Um, I kind of thought that what he was doing was rejecting, um, you know, rejecting who he was and everything and that he wouldn't have any powers anymore. But as we see kind of at the very end, he makes that plant die or whatever. So he does still have some powers, which also kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But the the um, theme of this episode, to me, seemed to be rejecting uh, destiny. And, and kind of living your own path. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of, I think that's all overall arc throughout the whole series. Yeah, because um, uh, Pulsiver uh, and, uh, you know, Miss Device, they end up burning the um, the prophecies that uh, Agnes Nutter sends them, friend of the show, Josie Lawrence, uh, sends them, which basically is like, you know... Um, all the all the prophecies for after uh, Armageddon, and she ends up burning him because she doesn't want to live just, you know, kind of following prophecies anymore. Um, you know, obviously he rejects his uh, destiny as being uh, the, you know, the bringer of Armageddon and, uh, you know, other... Uh, I'm trying to think. There, there's some other characters that, you know, do the same thing. Um, the Witchfinder, uh, Michael McKeon, he, he rejects, uh, you know, his destiny as being this Witchfinder or whatever to uh, live a, you know, a normal life and everything. So, yeah, that's that's definitely all over the, the show. Yeah. Uh, but so... Um, I'm trying to think what happens after that. So then after that, we kind of we kind of go into the the trial. After that, we see Aziraphale and um, and Crowley. They they snatch out of the air one last piece of uh, Agnes Nutter's prophecies, um, which says something like, "Soon you'll be playing with fire. Uh, choose your face wisely," or, or something like that. Right? Yes, yeah, so, <coughs> something like that. So, you know, they're they're hanging out on Earth. Uh, Armageddon's been forestalled. Um, they also argue that, uh, you know, because the Gabriel, Gabriel and, um, and Beelzebub say, you know, this is part of the great plan and everything. And Aziraphale says, but it is, but is it part of God's ineffable plan? Because by definition, that's an unknowable plan. So they can't know if it was part of God's plan or not. Um, you know, the implication, I think, is that it, it was. Um, but they can't know that because it's, you know, by definition, unknowable. So that's the argument that they, they try to make for that, uh, which doesn't really go over. Um, then they end up getting kidnapped uh, by their respective sides. And uh, Crowley gets taken down to hell where he's tried and Aziraphale gets taken up to heaven where he's tried, and they're both sentenced to death, Aziraphale by fire, and and Crowley by, um, by holy water. And I thought to myself, this is what I thought when I was watching this, I said, well, they're not going to die, 
because the holy water is not going to affect Crowley because he's not really a demon. Like I kind of thought that the what they were showing us the whole time is, yeah, you know, he's a demon by name, but that's not really what he is inside. He does good things, you know, as well. And the same yeah. thing with Aziraphale, you know, he's a um, he's a uh, an, an angel, but he also does bad things as well. So I figured that's why it wasn't going to affect them, but. That wasn't what happened. The twist, the actual twist, I didn't, I didn't see coming. I mean, I, I figured, I figured out the the effect, but I didn't figure out the cause. <laughs> so, um, what ends up happening is, you know, they they do that. They uh, they put him in holy wa- a bath of holy water. They put his ear fell on fire, and they don't. The, you know, he doesn't burn up, and he and he doesn't get dissolved by this holy water. And at that point, they're both kind of freaked out by him. <laughs> And they're like, okay, you know, uh, they let him go, basically. And they go, they both go back down to Earth, and then they shake hands, and we see that they had changed bodies, basically. That Aziraphale, or, or you know, were cloaking themselves in some way. Aziraphale was, was masked as Crowley, and Crowley was masked as Aziraphale, and that's why it didn't affect them. And uh, Crowley points out that, you know, Armageddon's still going to happen at some point. Um, you know, we've just kind of forestalled it and that, you know, eventually they're going to start watching us again. So they have to be careful, but you know, they get to be friends. They get to live on earth, uh, still. And, uh, you know, things just kind of, uh, go along as they had been. Um, so I, I liked that ending. I liked the conclusion of their, of their arc. Um, like, like you kind of pointed out my only, my only, um, sort of gripe about this episode in particular was the the storyline with the kids I thought was a little a little schmaltzy for my taste. Yeah, same here. It's like, yeah. But the ser- the series as a whole I thought was was really good. I I really Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I en- I enjoyed it a lot too. I thought it was uh very well written. I liked uh the story. I thought it was very well paced. Um you know, and uh, and exciting and, and very interesting. There were a lot of uh, cool ideas in it. Um, it was definitely one of uh, the ones that that I've enjoyed uh, more than a lot of you know those limited series that I've seen on the streaming services recently. Yeah, for sure. What was your favorite episode of the entire show? I think I like the last, uh, the one before this, just like the part with uh, with Crowley just driving around with his car on fire. Just like I, I laugh every time I see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was my favorite episode as well. Uh, I think that was a really, really strong um, episode. There was a lot going on, a lot of uh, you know dark stuff going on, a lot of uh, you know comedic stuff going on. At least like at least you know like British dryly comedic stuff going on. And uh, that was probably my favorite one, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd watch it again, at least not for a while, but I really enjoyed the series. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth a watch if, if you've been one of the Mad Men that haven't watched the uh, the show along with us and uh, you haven't seen it yet. I would definitely recommend uh, checking it out. But that is our episode for this week. Uh, as always, you can follow us uh, at Massive Late Fee at... Uh, late fee Mike you can check out our Instagram I put up a lot of uh, the videos that we make from this stuff on uh, on the Instagram there and uh, Facebook and 
all the different places. Rate and subscribe. Tell your friends. Invite your friends to like the show, watch the show, listen to the show, whatever. I don't care. Um, just do all the things that help us out. We'll wait. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this has been another episode of Massive Late Fee. We will see you next week. Bye. See you next time.